We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force, and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. If that ass clown Jim Carrey ever steps foot in the Motor City, I'm going to straight up tear him in half at the waist and spread his insides across three blocks of the people movement. I've had to deal with a lot in my many decades of unlife, but ever since that garbage-ass Ace Ventura movie came out a few years ago, the disrespect has been immeasurable. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Sorry, I tend to lead with passion. This is Detroit. 1996. For a long time, the savage Sabbath vampires held claim to this area. That is, until four years ago when McMasters and his Camarilla group infiltrated the city, then kicked their asses out. Now, I'm not saying I got any love for the Camarilla, but I do respect it. And yeah, I did my part to get that Sabbath scum out, but don't count me among the popular. My name is Alexander, Clan Gangrel, and tonight, I'll be on the trail of a murderer. I was born in 1901. I tell myself my family came from privilege, but the reality is we were accepted by the family we worked for, but not by the society they were a part of. I made it work for me, though, starting as a beat cop the second I could, to achieving detective in a few tough years, to opening my own inner-city PI agency by the age of 30. I thought I had a clear life's path all figured out. Then, tell me you heard this before. A beautiful woman walked into my office with a pile of problems so tall, you'd need a Sherpa to see the top. Long story short, I recovered her fortune, saved her husband, and got embraced as a parting gift on her way out the door. Fast forward to a few years ago, and everyone who helped reclaim Detroit got to pick a reward, progeny, or domain. 
My distaste for people, mixed with my affinity for animals, made it an easy choice to take the Detroit Zoo for a domain. Now I have a place every day to disappear to without paranoia, and all I need is to be seen doing just enough nighttime security to avoid suspicion. As I make my early evening rounds, the place stirs up like an elegant martini. The monkey house wants me to know that there's an unknown in a suit looking for me. I grab my flashlight and head over to find them. There you are. I figured if I walked around enough in here that you'd find me. Who's looking for me? Primo Gen Violet requests you right away. I have a car ready. If she needs me to anchor the 11 p.m. news tonight, I'm gonna need a new suit. Uh... Never mind. Bad joke. When a primogen calls, I know better than to ignore it. So give me one sec and we'll get going. I let out a call and wait for my friend, Grace, to arrive. She's my secretary, confidant, and most trusted friend. And, yeah, she's a barn owl. But I promise you this, she's the one who keeps me in business. Holding my arm out, I wince slightly as her talons grip my forearm upon landing. I'm getting called away. If anything happens here that I need to know about, just come find me, and I'll come right back. Wait, what was that? Pull up the car and give me a moment. I need to grab my trench coat. Violet is a Toreador primogen, so she's got the respect of Prince McMaster's. She's also the force behind most of the media in the city. Newspapers, TV, radio. If it's aggressive and can be put in front of you, she's involved. Violet has a high talent for aspects, which enhances senses and gives other powers of the mind. <laughs> I'd think it a little uncomfortable if I didn't have a little bit of that power myself, but don't worry about that. We pull up outside Temple Bar on Cass and the courier takes me around back where there's no primogen to be seen. Just as I'm starting to get worried that I'm about to get jumped, another kindred steps out and greets me. Her outfit tells me that she's obviously Toreador, just not the one I was expecting. Good evening, Detective. While we fought on the same side in the Liberation, I don't think we've ever actually met. I will say that your reputation precedes our encounter tonight. That could be a double-edged sword. I can't help but mention that I was summoned to meet Violet, and you aren't her. My name is Isabel. I'm Primogen Violet's representative on this matter. I don't like being lied to, especially by someone I just met. Please forgive my deception. It's just a truth among our kind that attaching a Primogen's name on a summons bears more weight than a stranger's would, and this matter is directly related to said Primogen. I see. So... Why am I in the back alley of this gin joint? Because someone violated the sixth tradition in the area we stand. Sixth tradition? You mean one kindred killed another? Yes. And you need my help to find the killer. Correct. And also the identity of the victim. So if you don't know who the killer or the victim is, how do you know a murder was committed at all? Last night, Violet was feeding on some lovely college girl in this alley who couldn't believe her luck. As she bit in and looked over her shoulder, she saw that this door was giving off a very specific aura. What kind of aura? Dark. 
like that of a recently committed diablerie. She told me of all this before last night ended. That's why I called you to investigate. I know a tradition was broken just on the other side of that door. I'll be straight. I can't help but feel skeptical about all this. But I trust your clan's powers. At least enough to go take a look, so let's get that door open and look inside. Forgot my lockpicks, though. <laughs> ah. That'll work. I peer inside before moving in. The hole opens into a hallway that is almost completely blocked by rubble and debris. That leaves one doorless room to the side, which hopefully will give clues as to why there was an aura stain on that now-destroyed door. Doesn't sound like a trap, so I'm coming in. Ugh, I already regret it. This chair. It seems to be the scene of the crime. There's blood splattered on all the walls, but the chair is covered with a heap of dark dust with singed clothing and rope on the floor around it. Somebody tied one of us up and drank them dry. Strange thing about it, though. I'm not reading the auras of two souls, but three. This is such a bare room. Off the top, I think we can rule out a crime of passion. Whoever did this got straight to the point. No speeches or revenge tripe. One sec. Let me check with my friends. What friends? Rats are not appreciated even slightly in either the world of kindred or humans. But as witnesses, they can be invaluable when there's nobody around who saw anything. Oh, that's disgusting. Shh. You were here last night? Thank you, friend. What did you see? Two dragged one into this place. There was one set of cries which fell silent, then started again, louder, only to disappear into the night. Got it. Okay. So it's confirmed that there were two assailants, and the victim screamed two different times before final death. Maybe they were torturing them for information, got what they wanted, then laid the fangs. Maybe. Seems a little convenient that they would have this place all set up and catch one of us nearby, though. And look at this singed clothing. This apparel was filthy well before this all happened. Looks and smells like they've never been laundered. I'll check the pockets, see if there's any clue to the victim. Hmm. No. Aside from a few crumpled dollars, there's nothing here. I wouldn't expect one of our kind to carry ID anyways. What if the clue isn't inside the clothes, but the clothes themselves? That's a good call. There's only one group of vampires I know that typically wear clothing like this. Nosferatu. Bingo. If there are any Nosferatu missing, then I have no doubt that Primogen Lenora would know about it. I'll admit, though, the Toreador don't have much of a relationship with her. Not worth the stench, quite honestly. Thankfully, I'm on good terms with Lenora. I'll reach out through my channels. A bunch of rats? No, a courier. Don't be weird. Okay, yeah, it's rats. The Camarilla has many potential enemies. If this city has some revenge-seeking sabbat or rogue anarchs creeping around, then none of us can feel safe. If there exists anyone in this city who would hunt us for our blood, we must find them and stake them for the morning light. A little dramatic, but I take your point. I'll reach out to Lenora and find out what I can. I step back out into the alley, and I'm surprised, but shame on me for that, to see a raven sitting on a flagpole. 
seemingly waiting for me. Looks like I don't need to go find Lenora. She's already summoning me. This is WCRG on your AM dial, and we're fast approaching the midnight hour here in the metro area. You're tuned into Dark Skies, Detroit's only exploration into the paranormal and unexplained. I'm your humble host, Jim Fisher, and I've got a feeling there's plenty of weird in the air tonight, so let's talk about it. Our first caller is from Ferndale. Caller, tell me your story. Hey, Jim. There's something out there. That's why we're here. Okay, so I just finished eating some late-night Coney dogs at that new place, Hambo's. It's like a couple of blocks from my apartment, so I'm walking home when I see something moving out of the corner of my eye. Did you get a good look at it? Eh, only kind of, sort of. When I looked right at the spot, I couldn't see nothing but darkness. But as I kept walking, it was just there, out of my view. Kind of looked like a person, but, but they were covered in shadows that kept moving. I swear I saw, like, an arm or a leg for a split second, but then just shadows again. I trust you made it home. Yeah, but that's the weird thing. Because I remember getting home, and then I... I don't know, I... I woke up the next day with dried blood on my shirt. So were you injured? No, I checked myself in the shower. No wounds except for the worst headache I've had in a while. Were you drinking that night? No. I, I mean... Okay, yeah, but just one shot and a Labatt. It was a work night. That tiny amount hasn't made me hungover since I was 15. Anything else different the next day? Yeah, that's the crazy thing. The lock on my front door was busted all to hell. My landlord said I must have done it myself, but what am I? Hercules? It was like a chunk of the door around the deadbolt was smashed out by a wild animal. Interesting. Have you seen that shadow creature since that night? Just in my nightmares, Jim. And there have been a lot of those lately. Well, thank you for telling us your story, caller. To you and all the listeners, I just want to say, stay safe out there. This is Dark Skies on WCRG, and we'll be right back. Club Sepulchre. A kindred-friendly techno music club hidden away in the basement of a dumpy chain hotel. It's owned by a real piece of work of a ventru. And that's perhaps the least of my problems with it. I'll just say I wouldn't go in there even if everywhere else was on fire. I scanned the area for Lenora. <laughs> Nosferatu love making people wait for them almost as much as I hate wasting time. Thankfully, stray cats talk to each other, and one directs me to a moonlit area right by the fire exit. There, I see a storm drain with heavy mist venting out. Through the mist, a darkened figure leans forward into view. Lenora. Now, eternal life has its ups and downs, but Nosferatu vampires are cursed their own way. Each one of them is twisted and deformed to the point that they resemble horror movie monsters instead of the people they used to be. I'm not one to judge based on appearance, though, they have it rough enough in this world without me making them feel worse. She gestures toward a nearby plastic crate for me to sit down. Have a seat, detective. We have much to discuss. Not without an agreement. You might be a primogen, 
but I'm old enough to know how your clan works. Information isn't free. It's bartered. Like the echoes of past failures for that last remaining quarter of a bottle. Of course. What kind of bargain did you have in mind? I'll keep you informed with what I discover on this new case. But you have to answer any pertinent questions I have regarding the same. I can agree to those terms. I figured we could find understanding on this. You go first. What do you already know? There are many who lust for power in this city. Some who would stoop as low as the Oblery to get it. I was alerted to kindred activity in that area last night, but didn't think much of it as it wasn't reported to be anything out of the ordinary. But when you arrived on the scene to take a look, I knew it deserved my attention. Your turn. There was a small room behind a locked door in that alley. Evidence at the scene dictates that two assumed kindred pulled a third into that room, tied them to a chair, tortured them, then diablerized them. The clothing left behind leads us to think it might have been one of your clan who was killed. An Osferatu? Yes. Interesting. Was there evidence of a battle in that room? No. Just a struggle confined to a chair. Then it seems unlikely that one of my kind is your victim. You described a brute force used that assuredly would have been matched by our own strength in that room. Definitely enough to break a chair's bonds and likely cause a frenzy. It may not have gone down so straightforwardly, but your point is well taken. Thank you, Detective. I will reach out to my clanmates in the city and make sure that all are accounted for. If I find out anything further, you'll know it. Just be prepared to bring a story of your own. And with that, the Nosferatu Primogen slipped out of view. Her image replaced with gouting vapor from the storm drain once again. I'm left alone with my thoughts. Too many unknown variables to put a complete picture together yet. I'm looking at two assailants, but just one killer. And an unknown victim. For now... Just then, shots ring out from inside the club. Fast ones. The ravers and kindred, no doubt, inside start to panic. I step back and take in the scene as best I can. A torrent of people start pushing through the exit. I notice that Bruja DJ trying to fit in with the crowd, but failing spectacularly. I wonder if he was playing tonight or just watching. Either way, he doesn't look guilty, so I move on and keep observing. After a few more groups of concerned patrons push out and into the night, I find my answer to who got shot. That bitch shot me! She actually shot me! Damn it, Skid, who'd you piss off this time? Alexander? I need help. Everything's gonna be fine. Let's get you out of here. Caitiffs are unfortunate souls who were either abandoned by their sires well before finding out anything at all, or vampires whose blood is so removed from Cain that they barely have any power at all. Most kindred look down on these whelps as scapegoats or fodder, sometimes both. Personally, I do my best to help them out. I get what it's like to have that feeling that nobody has your back, and that's nothing I would wish on another. One such caitiff is Skid, the blown-out mess currently clinging to my arm. 
Nobody knows where he came from. One day he was just here. Nobody took him as a threat, so they let him stay, since pawns serve a purpose. And here he is now. Apparently my problem tonight. Take me to Sinai Hospital. That's a terrible idea. I need to see the doctor. You just need a quiet spot to recover. I need some blood, man! You need to keep it down. Here, let's just duck into this alley for a sec. Now try to pull yourself together. Focus on healing. Try not to crap all over the first tradition while you do so. I need to rake, man. Help me rake. Whenever one of us kindred drink the blood of someone who's high, drunk, or otherwise chemically altered, those effects are transmitted through to us, so we feel it. It's called raking in our circles. It's generally looked down upon, but when you got six bullets in your torso, like, I get it. That said, Skid's a mess right now and shouting about drinking blood. What I should do is just walk away. Believing someone when they need help the most is what this world needs less of, not more. I was trying to figure out my next move when an Escalade pulls onto the sidewalk in front of our alley. A young-looking vampire in an ornate robe gets out and struts over to Skid with a very pissed-off way about her. Was it worth it? Getting in the face of a dangerous person and then grabbing them? And now look at you, full of holes, embarrassing yourself. You ruined my night, you asshole. I don't think he needs to feel worse about everything. He's already suffering. Quiet. And just like that, she put me on hold. I have not seen this girl before, but I'm guessing she's one of the Tremere. I mean, she's got the mind powers, the robe, and also... We have no idea how many of them are holed up in that chantry they operate out of. I suppose she could be something else, but i found that the most obvious answers tend to be the correct ones. It's a little embarrassing, though. To anyone watching, I look like a drooling idiot who just got shut down by a kid. Get up. Let's get out of here. I want a rake. Why would you grab her? The Ventru told me it was cool, so we rake now. The Ventru? Who? Price? Why did he tell you to... You know what? I don't care. Just get in the car. We raking tonight! Yeah! I'm gonna live forever! First off, I don't even know you. And second... Damn it, they're gone. I slink away from the area and find a quiet alley to organize my thoughts. Grabbing a seat on a busted dishwasher, I pull out my notepad to review the night so far. Diablerie. Two unknown assailants, one unknown victim. Victim was wearing old shoddy clothing, but was probably not a Nosferatu. This is just not enough to work with yet. As I stare up at the moon and wince with thought, a possum trots up and offers me some of its blood. This happens more often than you'd think. Almost as if on cue, I hear Grace swooping through the night sky. There's no other reason she'd be out here than looking for me, so I give the signal, and she darts down onto a nearby dumpster. Hey, Grace, what's wrong? Okay, slow down. Now they're doing what? (sighs) I'm on my way. Around a decade ago, I thought it'd be a good idea to do overnight work for AAA. 
Turns out that spending a few years learning how to open up any locked car quickly and quietly and being given the proper tools to get it done would serve me well. I find a car parked under a broken street light and get to work. Within 15 seconds, I pop the door. Within 40, I get it running. Some loudmouth drunks thought it would be fun to break in my domain and cause trouble tonight. They were wrong. I arrive at the zoo and get in via my secret entrance. Okay, that makes it sound more mysterious. It's the loading bay. Anyway, I get 25 feet into the grounds when I hear it off in the distance. Using my enhanced senses, I quickly pinpoint exactly where the shot came from and beeline to the location. Weaving through the area, I get eyes on them. Three biker types have climbed onto a large rocky backdrop to the gorilla exhibit and appear to be taking pot shots at the other animals with small caliber weapons. How can you possibly keep missing? The dumb thing was barely moving. It's dark in here. I get this one. And... Hell yeah. Boom! Fuck you, zebra. <laughs> You're right, Kenny. Safari hunting is a shit. We've just been wearing diapers up until now. Give me that BB gun. Time for you to try a real weapon. Oh, snap. This is clean. Quality precision scope. Long barrel. This a Remington? You've got yourself a military-grade M40A1 in your hands right now. You ready to bag some big game? Hell yeah, I am. Only question is, what do you want to kill tonight? From up here, we can see the whole zoo. You want to finish that zebra? Maybe take a head off that giraffe over there? Or perhaps you like the pleasure of plugging an elephant right between the eyes tonight. Kill the lion. I know which one I want. Me got me sights on that polar bear over there. A polar bear? What made you pick that one? Cause. Fuck polar bears, that's why. The man has made his choice. Who am I to begrudge the whims of fancy? By all means... Take your shot, good sir. Adjusting for distance. Checking wind. Aiming right between the eyes. <laughs> Drink coke, bitch. What the fuck? Hey! Ah! I'm politely asking you to leave my domain. Your domain? They gave all this to a pet detective? Kenny? I suggest you choose your next words carefully. I'm backed by one of the primogen. You drink vermin in the dirt. You want a problem, pet dick? I got three words for you. Don't do it. Alrighty then. At this moment, I discover my breaking point. My vision tunnels in with red tinted lenses. Yet in my head, I'm serene as a Sunday morning. I've already dispatched the guy with the rifle. I'm not out here trying to kill, but you can go a touch farther with ghouls. You teach this asshole a lesson. The scrub turns and finds sudden courage. They rush me without much of a plan. 
I use their momentum against them with a really basic Aikido move and plant the back of their neck on the ground. I follow it up with an elbow to the nose because I feel like being a dick tonight. I turn to face Kenny, only to see him pull a pistol out of his waistband and point it right at me. Okay, asshole, you made your point. Don't make me get real tonight. It got real the second you disrespected my domain. It got more real when you tried to murder my friends. And it got most real when you brought up that atrocity of cinema. I'm gonna give you one chance. I guess he didn't want that chance. Kenny fired three rounds directly into my midsection. I cringed backwards out of reflex, but called upon the blood to make my skin stone and easily shunt each hit. Shaking off the bullets, I stared uncompromisingly into his eyes and forced my hands into sharpened claws. Oh, shit. I take no joy in hurting others. I see aggression as the basest of all primal actions. But also, sometimes some motherfuckers deserve it. I tore open his chest with the first slash and watched his sternum see moonlight. The second slash went straight into his gut, spilling what guts he has upon the rocky surface. I wanted him to remember me, so I rendered his left ear off and put it in his pocket for later. It's over, and the message has been sent. I'd love to just leave Kenny for the morning sun, but I've been at this game too long to entertain that thought. I throw him and his two ghouls into hockey travel bags, call on the kindred courier service, and send all three to the Bruja Primogen with a note attached. These three lemons of yours made fools of themselves on protected kindred domain. I'm returning them to you as a courtesy. I expect a boon in return. Please teach your children some second tradition decorum. Next time, I won't be so gentle. I have a couple hours until morning light, and obviously, my energy is still up. So I turn my thoughts back to the murder. I can't shake the feeling that I missed something at that scene. I was getting pushed a little by Isabel and didn't do my full diligence to the area. I hop back into my stolen car and get back to the scene of the crime. With the door blown off, as soon as day breaks, that area is going to get more compromised than a senator on vacation. I waltz my way back into the room of horrors. Have to be fast. I don't have much time before I need to get home. Okay. I check the clothes. I check the walls. I check the blood splatter. What's missing? Come on, think. Then it hits me. The dust. When I came in, the chair was covered in vampire dust from the victim, but I left it alone. Sweeping my hand across the seat of the chair through the dust, I feel something. Pulling the object and holding it out into the light, I'm surprised to find a large coin. A five-year AA medallion dated this year? Why would the victim have this? How does this relate? I leave the crime scene with only an hour to go before dawn. Time to get home. 
As I step back out into the alley, though, I'm surprised to see a man in a suit waiting for me. It's the same courier from earlier, but this time, he wears the sigil of the prince. (laughs) I'm getting popular tonight, I guess. Hello again. Prince McMasters insists on your presence at dusk tomorrow. Uh, Please come with me and I'll see you through the day to his domain. You sure it's actually the prince this time, and not his butler or tennis coach? I sure am, sir. You'd best be. Try that again with me, and we'll play a game of Find the Entrails. My apologies, sir. I'm satisfied that the courier has sufficiently pissed himself, so I follow him to a parking lot across the street. There's no way the prince could have found out about the Bruja already, but why would McMasters be summoning me otherwise? That's when I see what the courier came to pick me up in. A hearse. No time to think on that, though. As I climb into the coffin in the back, yeah, I know, and fall asleep. I'm just going to need to trust that I'll get my answers tomorrow. Reclaim Detroit, a Vampire the Masquerade audio drama. Reclaim Detroit was created, written by, and edited by Ray Stacanis. Music and sound mixing by Sean Gould. Featuring Matthew Harris as Alexander. Also featured in this episode, Nick Gligger, Julian Lindsay, Melissa Oki, Dean Calkins, Phil Ranta, Philip Wilburn, Diane Geist, Ray Stacanis, Matt Arbert, and Rachel Kimsey. Portions of the materials are the copyrights and trademarks of Paradox Interactive AB and are used with permission. All rights reserved. For more information, please visit worldofdarkness.com. To learn more about the show, go to vampiredetroit.com or find us on Twitter at Vampire Detroit. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.